It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. Okay, what a week it has been in Utah. I feel like I am coming off the craziness that is the start of the year. Every year around this time, the Utah legislature gets together and they start to make laws and policies that affect us here as Utahns. And one of the issues they are really drilling hard on this year is education, how they fu- how they spend taxpayer money to fund education in the state of Utah. And then there's also been with it the issues around the Salt Lake City School District. And what we're really going to talk about today is sort of where we stand at this moment with uh, the district in Salt Lake and uh, where we go from here. So joining me now, Emily Bell McCormick. She is also a parent in the district, but has been on the uh, forefront of this fight to get Salt Lake City School District to open the schools back for in-person learning. Now, the little kids have already gone back. The older kids, just this week, there was a plan approved by the Salt Lake City School Board to send the older kids back two days a week in person. So that is where we stand now. Emily, let me ask you right off the bat, are you happy with that, two days a week? Yeah, you know, I think any movement toward an option for in-person school for these older kids is good movement, you know, Um, and obviously, like you said, I'm on that side of the opinion that an in-person option is going to be really good to give these kids in the district. So two days, no, I would would love to see. I think that we found that there's no difference in spread between two days and four days, five days. And and we saw a few other schools like Davis School District start out with a hybrid option like this, see that it wasn't working that well, and then switch over back to kind of a full-time model. Um, So yes, I'm thrilled. I'm just so thrilled that there is a place for the kids to go a couple days a week and kind of ebb off some of that, um, you know, uh, lack of interest in school and and try to get some of the motivation back for these kids as well as so many other issues that I know we'll talk about later in the show. But yes, I'm happy that there is movement toward that. I'm glad that, that, that we're starting to move that direction. Okay, now I'm just going to sort of play, I'm going to play journalist in this interview today and just ask you all the questions as a devil's advocate uh, and and just sort of plug away at what you're wanting and what other people might be wanting. So, um, okay, so let me ask you this. You want kids to be back in person. Do you, you're confident that it is safe to kids for kids to be back in person? So, um the question was whether or not it felt safe, right? Um, or if I'm confident it's safe. The answer to that is absolutely not, based on the fact that there's a pandemic and I don't feel confident sending my kids into the grocery store with a mask on to grab the milk for me because I'm running late, da, 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 you know, and, and in knowing that they're going to be safe in there. However, because we are 10 months into this thing, you know, it's not new. Um, This pandemic, we really, it was new in March. And uh, in March, it felt like, oh my gosh, are half of our kids going to be dead on the ground? Am I going to die? Is my spouse going to die? Is my best friend going to die? You know, we did not know the trajectory of this pandemic. We did not know. It was terrifying. Um, So back in March, 
it felt very, you know, you know, very sensical to close the schools to say, let's move to an online model. Let's try this out. It's not ideal. I mean, there was a ton of recognition that like, eh, this is going to be rough on kids. You know, it's rough on adults sitting on a computer all day, let alone children. Um, so there isn't 100% confidence, but what we do have is enough history and now some research and science behind it. You know, you've got the CDC saying that the spread in elementary and junior highs is the exact same in person as at um, as remote learning, right? Like the spread doesn't increase. And, and for secondary schools, I believe they say there's a 2% increase in spread. So to me, that is not significant enough. If we have safety precautions in place, if we have masks, if teachers who are at risk are able like they do in a lot of school districts in the, in in Utah to have maybe an online teaching option or something like that, you know, in a certain age category or with health risks to be that. I I worry no more about my kids at school than I do at any of their extracurricular activities or running an errand, which you still have to do, you know, running at the gas station or whatever. I don't feel like there's more risk. But I guess I'm not totally understanding the science behind that because in my mind, I'm having a hard time reconciling the more people you get around, the higher your risk is. That's it. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that seems very basic to me. I don't know how, what is the science saying that the spread doesn't increase? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's super fascinating that you say that because I'm with you. Like that, that feels like a one plus one equals two kind of logic to me too. Um, and, and so I guess the answer to that would be, I don't know because I'm not a scientist, right? But I do know this. the CDC has said that. And I do know that one of um, the reasons that's listed when they talk about, you know, the spread actually isn't that great there, is just that people, when you're in, um, uh, um, not a contained space, but kind of a monitored space like that, the teachers are not letting kids take off masks. Like the kids are actually, I think, better at wearing them and better at um, abiding by the protocols than they are when they're running in the grocery store, they pull down their mask, wipe their nose, grab the milk, go to you know, check out, whatever. Um, so I think what it, what it says is that in these places, there are parameters set, there are expectations, and those expectations are, there's not flexibility with them. It's like you wear a mask or you go home. Um, I have a couple of kids that I put into a private school because I work and I wasn't able to school them from home. And so, you know, watching them and the way they function, they're also the private schools within the boundaries of the Salt Lake City School District and kind of watching how they function in person has been so interesting because that's what it is. It's more of like a zero tolerance for messing with the rules. They don't mess around. And so to me, that tells me that that is probably what's affecting the spread in those places because you're right. More people, more spread. That makes sense to me. But I think it's the level of like care that they put toward it. Yeah. And so I understand how the little kids could be safer at school because they follow the rules really well. The older kids, once the bell rings, they're ripping off those masks. And I agree with you that it's not necessarily as dangerous. Like sitting in history class isn't necessarily dangerous as long as they're all masked and spread out. What are they doing to get to their next class? And what are they doing at lunchtime? And what are they doing after the bell rings? And those are the issues to me that is hard to mitigate. Totally. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, based on that, I mean, I think that there are things that schools are doing, right? Because we have... 40 of 41 school districts in the state of Utah who have an in-person option. Now in those 40, I'm sorry, 40 of 41 school districts. And in those districts, it doesn't mean, um, you know, that everybody's choosing to go in person. So the thing that I like about this and that I want to make very clear is that there needs to be a remote learning option. There is not even a 
there's no question, you know, like at this time, if we, if school districts were being forced to offer everything in person, you know, or um, make it exclusionary, like we are an exclusive in-person school, makes no sense, right? Because we know that there are outliers and, and high-risk people, like high-risk people in high-risk situations, whether it's a child who lives with an elderly grandparent or someone who, you know, a child who has asthma or is any kind of a risk factor. Um, but I do think, uh, I, I do think that uh, they're putting in place some extra protocols for those um, high schoolers, right? They're, they're, they've got more hall monitors and things. I, that, that's the way that I've seen other school districts deal with it and really just enforcing it. I think the one sticking point where you are completely right is the social distancing probably isn't possible right? In a big high school when you're in between classes running to your locker or whatever that situation is. You and I both went to high school. I was public schooled in Utah, you know, and um, and I know that my, there was no way that somebody could have made me be six feet from someone else. I guess in that situation, it would be more, if you're wearing a mask, you're less than 15 minutes exposure, something like that. But yeah, you bring up a good point that you, it can't be perfectly executed. It, it just can't, it can't be perfectly executed. It can be well done, but not perfect. Yeah. And so parents are really choosing do I want to add this risk into my life by sending my kid to this school and not just my life but my kid's life you know yeah my kid can bring it back to me but am I putting my kid in danger by sending them to school right now and that's a really hard question for parents to weigh Emily Bell McCormick is a parent with the Salt Lake City School District she has sort of been leading the charge for parents who want to be in person we'll take a break and talk more on this topic when we come back on the mom show you've joined the mom show being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. There's been a lot of drama this week in the state legislature who is in session on Capitol Hill trying to make new laws and policies for the state of Utah and the Salt Lake City School Board who is trying to educate their kids. Joining me now, Emily Bell McCormick. She's another parent in the Salt Lake City School District and sort of leading the charge for parents who want this in-person learning. Now, Emily, full disclosure, you were the one who started this lawsuit um, that exists out there and is still pending with the Salt Lake City School District. Uh, you want them to, well, tell me what you want. What, what does the lawsuit say? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so the lawsuit is basically a, a, asking for an injunction from a judge to come in and examine the law and look at, okay, the Utah Constitution. So the Utah, Utah Constitution and Utah law basically states that all citizens or all students, children, you know, in the state of Utah should have access to a free and public education and that that should happen regardless of race, gender, religious affiliation, or location, right? So the argument just goes that because Salt Lake City School District is one of 41 school districts in the state of Utah that does not offer the option for an in-person learning experience, that, that the Utah Constitution says that that is not an equal access to education, right? Especially because there's this one little clause that talks about location. So the lawsuit is, at, is just asking for the judge to look at that and say, hey, is that accurate? Is that an accurate interpretation of the law? Should there be an in-person option? So not, not should there be only in-person school, but should there be the option so that people have the ability to choose? Is that what our public education in the state of Utah was set up to do? 
Right. Okay. So I can see where the issue lies there. Um, when do you think you'll hear from the judge? Yeah, we should, we should be hearing, uh, this week, like any day now, typically with an injunction, you actually hear the day of, but the way this has gone, I think it's, you know, it's pretty big. And like you've been mentioning, it's, it's a heavy thing for a judge to try to decide. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of thought that has to go into that because it's not just, just like you mentioned the legislature and, you know, a lot of other moving pieces here. It's not just for today. It's for tomorrow as well. Right. Like right. The, whatever this ruling comes out, it, it kind of says something about here's how we interpret Utah law. Meanwhile, you've got the state legislature working on a few different bills that would particularly impact Salt Lake City School District. And there's been a lot of argument over whether these bills are punitive to Salt Lake, singling them out. In some words, I've heard them described as bullying. And um, so where it sits right now is uh, we have... Well, first of all, the state legislature is trying to uh, balance the state budget. So determine where all of our sales tax goes to fund different programs, education being one of those. So in that uh, spending, they've proposed that a big chunk of money is going to go to fund education. Part of that stipulation, though, is there are teacher bonuses and only teachers who offer an in-person option get those bonuses. Now, up until this week, Salt Lake City wasn't um, offering an in-person. Now, the school board just voted to send the kids back, uh, the the older kids back in person two days a week. So technically, they are, you know, if if they follow through on that, they are their teachers are going to. Um, be allowed to get those bonuses. But I think where the issue lies, Emily, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is people argue that this is bullying the district. This is literally holding money hostage, one from teachers, and then the other bill out there is saying, okay, every student in the state gets a weighted pupil unit. It's the amount of money that the state allocates for each child and it goes to the district where you are in school. If a child decide or a parent decides to take their child out of one school so they can go to another school and um, be in person, the money follows them. And people, again, arguing that, that is punitive to the district that loses that child because they're losing money. Meanwhile, the other side of that coin is people say it's rewarding this school that um, is offering the in-person learning. Are we ever going to get to a solution on this, Emily? Because this is just two sides of different coins. Like certainly you can view it as punitive and certainly you can view it as, as rewarding. Yeah, no, it's a fact. That is the million dollar question right there. And it's funny because it, it completely depends on your perspective on this issue to the nth degree. And if anybody, you know, if you haven't been following this closely, it may not resonate. But if you have been privy to this, if you've lived in the district or just paid a lot of attention, it's it's very interesting. You can tell where somebody lays on this based on how they feel about that, right? So when I heard about that $1,500 bonus for, I, I literally read it as, that's super cool. These teachers who are teaching in person are getting a $1,500 bonus because dang, it's, the world is crazy right now. And I get not wanting to be in person. You know, I don't want to do my job in person. A lot of days I have to a lot of days, but not every day, you know, um, 
but I have to a lot of days. And so I understand it. So I saw it as a reward and, and, and I kind of applauded the legislature when that I didn't kind of, I applauded the legislature when that came out because I thought that's a great way to say, here's 1500 bucks. You want to use it to make your classroom safer. You want to use it to take your family to St. George for the week. I mean, not that we're really, no one's really traveling right now, but you know, think about taking your kids to California in the future, you know, some future date, then, then you can use it like that. Um, so I think you're right. And, and when you say we're at a bit of an impasse, you're right. I, I, this is one of those things that we may never ever see eye to eye on, you know, me, my side and the other side may never see that as like, it may always be punitive and always be rewarding, um, in both of our perspectives, but in reality, this will come to a point that this heals, um, because ultimately we have the vaccine and you know, it's a funny thing because it would, it, this has been an interesting issue because I didn't want there to have to be a savior. I wanted us as like humans to be able to fix this. Um, but there needed to be a savior, right. And, and a savior in the form of a vaccine and, and we got one and I'm thrilled yeah. and that's what will fix this. And let's just hope we all stop fighting before that vaccine comes. <laughs> Emily Bell McCormick, mm -hmm. uh, talking with her about the Salt Lake City School District and all the drama that's happening uh, with the state legislature and um, with the different issues uh, to get kids back in person. We'll take a break more on this topic when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thanks for joining us this week on The Mom Show. It's been a week filled with drama here in <laughs> Utah. We've had some fighting between the school board in Salt Lake City and the state legislature. And I don't even think fighting is probably the right word because they're not really arguing per se, but it's more just like the moves that each of them are making in their respective positions are kind of causing some drama. So as we stand right now, there are a couple bills on Capitol Hill, Utah's Capitol Hill, uh, that are specifically targeting the Salt Lake City School District um, in getting kids back in the classroom in person. Now, it's important caveat that this week the district voted to send the older kids back two days a week. I have a parent here who would argue that's not enough. Emily Bell McCormick sort of leading the charge for parents uh, who are sort of on this side of wanting kids back in person. And Emily, I'm not even sure that the issue anymore is wanting kids back in person. We all want kids in person. Yes. The issue is sort of like how we go about that. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have felt for a long time like your pleas to be in person have fallen on deaf ears from the school board. And so you've kind of gone the route of the lawsuit and or the state legislature to really uh, put a full court press on the district and get back in person. Now, you can argue whether or not they should all be involved in this decision, but that's really what you see as your way to, to get what's best for your kids. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really good point. So, you know, at the beginning of this process in the summer, it really started in the summer when Salt Lake City School District decided, listen, we're only going to have a remote option. And, you know, a lot of us saw a problem with that, or I, at least I can speak for myself, definitely saw a problem with that. And there are a lot of parents who are working to lead out on this movement, um, and I'm one of them. But I, I think, you know, 
at that point, you kind of go through the natural, um, the natural uh, avenues, right? Like you, you exhaust those, you talk to your uh, school board representative, whoever represents you, you talk to the president, you talk to the superintendent of the school district, you, you, when that doesn't seem to be making any movement, maybe you host a socially distanced rally, which we did that multiple times, you know, asking kids, where am I? Bring a sign, stand far apart, blah, blah, you know, uh, do that. You write op-eds, you talk to the media if they want to talk to you. Um, you know, you talk to anybody in state government, uh, city government. You you go through all these channels and, you know, I think when it, it, there was, there was, uh, we were supposed to go back October 8th and you may remember this. Um, October 8th was the date that was set. And then once I got pushed back, it got pushed back again. I think, you know, there was a, pretty large group of parents kind of saying, oh crap, what's going on? And you're right, that is when you say, okay, what does the law promise us? Are we out of whack here? Is this out of whack? What's going on? And, and so once you look at Utah law, it really did feel like, you know what, based on how other school districts are manage the, managing this in our state, um, government is managing this, we are the odd people out here and and this needs to be remedied so you're right that's where the lawsuit grew from and and um, some of these other movements with the legislature yeah and and part of me thinks uh okay well if you want your voice heard here's how you got to do it and there's there's certainly nothing wrong with taking this avenue i think the other side of that coin though is having the state legislature kind of pull the purse strings of the district is something that i think some people see as punitive they see it as the state legislature who often touts local control, especially the Republican side of the aisle, then takes the decision out of the hands of the district. However, the lawmakers keep saying that they're not taking any decisions out of the hands of the district. The district can still make the decision not to send the kids back in person, but there are some consequences in the form of money that's not going to be allocated to that school and or a bonus for your kid's teacher if they choose to do that. You're right. And that's an interesting thing because I, you know, I think about that too, especially in Republicanism, that's definitely one of its tenets, right, is local control. Um, the other day in the uh, Senate hearing meeting, committee meeting on this, uh, President Adams, the Senate President Adams, uh, made a comment about local control. And he just said, you know, there is no more local control than the parents. And I thought that was a really interesting point. You know, his point is that ultimately the parents should decide how they feel about their kids going to school and that it should be left to the parents to make the decision. But what does it say when the state legislature virtually puts this money in a if you do this, then you get this money situation. If you don't do this, you don't get this money situation. How, how are people supposed to interpret that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's up to who you are, right? Because I do see it as a reward. I, I mean, I really am looking at this as, listen, if you're in person, this is just a bonus because we know you're going the extra mile right now. And it's not that people teaching remotely are not putting a lot of effort in, right? But this is where it comes down to something for, that for me is a totally different issue. And it's the schools are are vehicles for education, right? Like that's what public schooling is. That's what all schooling is. It's a vehicle for education. But I believe you and I, and every person listening to this show is also very much aware that schools are so, so, so much more than a vehicle for education. We use schools as a social infrastructure to cap, like to keep tabs on our children. 
And it's a, it's a really interesting thing because I don't know if that's what they were initially intended to be. I, my guess is no. My guess is that schools at their inception, public schooling in America was probably really meant to be like ABC, one, two, three, this is what we do. But what it has become is a place where we can gather together as a community and almost check and say, is this person from this household okay? Does this person eat? Does this person have the resources they need? Um, and so for me, a big argument about the in-person learning is not necessarily like, can you, you know, is the curriculum there? Is the curriculum available to these students online? Then why are we fighting this? Why do we care about them going to school? The reason that I care about these people going to school is because we, especially in Salt Lake City School District, have an extraordinarily diverse, socioeconomically diverse population. I, I can't emphasize that enough. We've got more than 60% below the poverty line. We have a, a, um, a homeless population that I believe varies from like five to 8% of the student. I mean, imagine that. Eight, eight percent. It's always over a hundred kids at just the high school that my children attend, right? Like more than a hundred kids that we have not seen, nor can we account for since last March. Nothing. They're gone. They have disappeared into who knows what. Except for the sad thing is, we probably know what they've disappeared into, and it just the importance to getting back into school is is above and beyond education. It is because we, as a community, as a state, as a nation, have decided that public schools will be a place for taking care of our children. Well, it is a place where they get three meals a day. Uh, yep. The CARES Act that came from the federal government, some of that goes to education and literally buys meals for our kids at school. Like my kids' school, you get free breakfast and free lunch thanks to that money. And for some kids who are below the poverty line, they don't eat they don't they don't eat to eat because they don't have someone at home feeding them or they're not they don't have enough money to eat breakfast or their parents have to go to work before they can even get to school because they work you know an overnight shift somewhere or as a janitor or you know something like that and so i fully recognize that there is that group of people and you know, you could argue that that is why local control is so important is because this district in particular has these issues, has this demographic of kids. Yeah, exactly. And I just have to add one thing because it was such an impactful moment for me the other day. You know, it's been hard. It's been hard on us all. Our community needs to heal. It needs to come back together again. You know, it's been, it's been really difficult, but um, and a lot of effort for a lot of us including me, including you reporting on it, including all of us, right? Um, but the other day I'm driving down State Street in Salt Lake City um, because I had to go to work and I see these three kids, right? There's, they look, I don't know, I didn't stop, but they look like they were probably nine, eight, and maybe five, like a little one. And uh, probably siblings, they look similar and they're kind of playing on State Street at actually at a gas station where I have Act, like witnessed a drug deal happen, you know, and, and that's, that stuff happens. So they're kind of playing there and it's at like 12, 17 on a Wednesday and about 45 minutes later, you know, I take note and I'm like, Oh, they should be in school. And I I'm driving back uh, about 45 minutes later and the kids are still there and they're just hanging out, you know, they're just hanging out. And it was in that moment that I thought, you know, this is a function of our schools. These kids should be there. They would be safe. We would know they were safe and taken care of. Yeah. And I can totally understand that. And you're always fighting for those people, Emily. And I totally see that. And I totally understand uh, how someone needs to fight for those people and not always 
are the people in power fighting for those people. And I totally understand that. So there's more on this issue to talk about. Uh, talking with Emily McCormick, she's a parent with the Salt Lake City School District and uh, sort of leading the charge for parents who want uh, in-person learning to return. We'll take a break. More on The Mom Show when we come back. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today. I've been having a lovely discussion with my friend Emily Bell McCormick, who, uh, who is a mom uh, in the Salt Lake City School District, sort of leading the parental charge of parents who want their kids back in person and so emily uh, organized uh, that that lawsuit that exists out there that we still don't have an answer on yet she's also been um a part of the legislative process up on capitol hill the lawmakers have really got involved in putting a full court press on the salt lake city school district to offer in-person learning and you can argue whether that is right or wrong but nonetheless they have done it and uh, so emily one of those bills up there on capitol hill talks about how uh, kids who might switch schools, which they're allowed to do, to go and uh, seek an in-person option, a bill up there would make it so that their WPU, their weighted pupil unit, which is how much money the state gives them in funding, and uh, that would take the money and then move it to the school that they chose to go to in person. So... Some are arguing that that is punitive to the Salt Lake City School District uh, in particular because if they don't follow through on their now plan to offer kids in person, then anyone who leaves the Salt Lake School District and it might give them an incentive to do that uh, would essentially take their money with them and... um, You know, but you could also argue that it is rewarding teachers that are offering in-person learning and school districts that are offering in-person learning. Emily, you testified uh, during the Senate committee hearing on that bill, and I want to hear your perspective on why you think that that plan is a good idea. So I think, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about at the end of the last segment. We're talking about the kids who are really truly in a difficult spot. That's that's who I'm talking about. That's why I care about this, right? Um, everyone has our reasons and there are a million parents organizing and pushing this effort through. That is why I care. Um, and when I think about that, I think, okay, so if you've got, if you're living in a household with a single parent or you have two working parents and you're home alone, right? I have this dear friend named Rose and I won't say her last name, but she's got three boys, right? Two, she works at Walmart. She works at Walmart full time. She has these two teenage boys and uh, one boy who's a kindergartner. So what that day looks like for those kids now is imagine a kid, well, you can very well imagine a kindergartner logging on because you, I believe you have a child around that age, right? Doing that. So, and it's difficult, right? They, they can't do it on their own. They need help. They need guidance. Uh, it's not the same as in person. We all know that. Um, but I think, I think uh, the, the reason that I think this is important is because when we talk about those kids, there wasn't an awareness, like they're, they're recent immigrants. There was no awareness that they could have gone to a different school. There was no, they also don't own a vehicle. So they're, and, and you're right, because we pay property taxes to Salt Lake. The bus will come and pick them up for a Salt Lake City school, but it doesn't come and pick them up for a Granite District school or another school district that might be close, you know. Um, and so for me, the reason that this bill is could be beneficial is to be able to tell these families that are like, they're, they're using school like 
I do too. And you do, you know, a lot of us do also partially as daycare. I mean, we don't like to call it that and it isn't daycare. You know, teachers are much, much more elevated and wonderful than, you know, than, than just watching kids sit around all day. Right. But, but I think that, uh, that in reality, we need it, right? Like Rose needs it so she can go to work. So the idea would be, okay, let me tell Rose that she's able to take her kids somewhere else and that they're, they're guaranteed an education there that they can that they can be educated there. That's the pro. The con is you're absolutely right. I mean, it's rough and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's rough on the community because it, it moves that funding from the schools in Salt Lake City, in the, in the city proper away. And that's a big problem because ultimately, you know, this is how a lot of segregation happened back in the 60s, you know, like urban, like white flight. I mean, these things that are real issues still today, you know, the issues that we dealt with 40 years ago, 50 years ago, that we're really trying not to repeat and we have a greater awareness of, that can happen from something like this. So that's why it really needs to be a balancing act and, and very thoughtful in approach and how this goes down. And here's one other argument I heard during that legislative session that I thought was interesting uh, you know, the districts and or the teachers and or the parents even have been calling for the legislature to give them a plan of what in-person learning might look like and to give them help. Um, because like you say, 40 out of 41 school districts in Utah are back in person and every district is doing something a little bit different. And never in the state of Utah did we get a clear uh, definitive direction. And we got a little bit in the form of that that book, I think, that exists out yeah. there, like the school plan. <laughs> the um, book. Uh -huh. The book, yeah. We got a little bit of that. But but as far as the legislature goes, we didn't get any money to help schools with PPE. We didn't get any money to help them put up, um, you know, barriers between kids' desks. But here the legislature is fully switching money around to make sure the kids go back in person, but hasn't done it until now when it's like halfway into the school year and you know, still not providing some of this stuff. So I guess you could argue that where was the help when they needed it? If you, if the goal was really getting them in person, here's how you could have gotten them back in person. Yeah. Well, and I, I actually completely agree with you, you know, and I excuse um, the legislature, you know, the government of the state of Utah, only in that this is our first pandemic ever that any of us living have been through. So I get, we're going to stumble. That's going to happen. And hindsight is 2020, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but in reality, you're, you're right. There should have been, I, I think, you know, let's fast forward eight years. There's another pandemic. We're going to know how to do this. You know, are we better <laughs> or else we're going to all just die. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we're going to know how to do this then we're going to say, this should happen now. You're absolutely right. I I personally think that there should have been more guidance. You know, there should have been, this is how a classroom in our state looks, you know, and I, again, that local governance thing, but it's like, it's helpful to get direction from the top because none of us know how to do this. You know, you're the governor, you're the legislature, pull in the experts. You tell us what a safe classroom looks like. You tell us, and, and then, you know, we can modify based on our local district and other things but but yeah we of course we need guidance we need guidance and none of us knew what we were doing but we know what we're doing now and so and, and like you said i still don't feel like the school district has a ton, ton of guidance in in getting this out there you know the 
um, we're not seeing it from the superintendent and, and I'm not sure if the Utah State Board of Education has stepped in. I haven't seen it and I've been paying attention. Maybe you know you're reporting on this, um, but we need more guidance. We need guidance to make these classrooms safe. I think we know what works generally, but but we do. We need guidance and we need funding to make sure that it goes down okay. Yeah, really interesting issues. And Emily, throughout all of this, I still love you. And I still love you. Emily Bo McCormick is a parent in the Salt Lake District. She's uh, sort of headed up this parent's charge to get kids back in person. Emily, thank you for joining me and for letting me pick apart all your issues here on The Mom Show. (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week.